Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm with Dan Rudman, and we are, this is our part two of this little mini-series on judging. And if you haven't listened to the, the last episode where we really kind of introduced this topic, well, then you got to go back because we're just, this is just building right upon that last episode. And, and yeah, it, it, it relies on it. So if you haven't listened to that, please go back and listen to that one. Uh, but where we started, just to kind of give you just a, a quick uh, catch up, you know, if it was a week ago that you listened to that one or whatever, I don't know. We started with this kind of problem. You know, what, what are we, what are we seeing in the church and among Christians? And we, you hear, you see often, it's, it's a very common thing. Like, oh, don't judge me. Jesus says to not judge. And so, like, it basically puts a person in a, in a position where they can't say, speak anything into anybody's life and say, hey, you know, you know, so-and-so. Like that's actually wrong. You can't actually do that, and you need to repent. Like it would—it's it, basically saying you can't do that. You can't cast a judgment on someone, and that's kind of the problem. And we we set it up, and then we went to those texts that people you know historically point to to build their case of why we we shouldn't judge each other. And you know, one of those is John eight. We talked about that. And another one is from the Sermon on the Mount. You know, both in in Matthew seven and Luke six. You know, where Jesus is not to judge. And then we went to James four where James is writing to this church and he's he's saying, Don't judge and and people kinda use those as the proof texts for, you know, okay, see it says don't judge. But again, we unpacked the context and looked at those more 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 deeply and, and saw like, oh, you know, there's a there's a pretty important context in all of these passages that it's not saying what you think it's saying. Um, and now we're gonna in this episode we're gonna go to the kind of the positive text of building our case for okay, but the scriptures actually command us and tell us to to make judgments. And that's the text that we're going to look at in this episode. And, and a lot of this has to do with church discipline. And, you know, in 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 church discipline, like let's 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 lay the framework out. Okay. In the family, in the sphere of the family, let's say the the man is the head, uh, the parents are over the children, and let's say the kids do do some disobedient thing. They break the family rules. They disobey their parents. They do something wicked. Like the father and the mother, they have authority to discipline their kids and to judge their kids in a certain way. I mean, Proverbs says, don't spare the rod. Don't spare the rod. Uh, so that is a judgment. The father or the mother is judging their kids in a certain way, and they're dishing out the the appropriate penalty. Maybe it's a spank. Maybe it's a rod. You know, whatever it is. Uh, maybe it's a timeout. Who knows? Maybe you take away their phone. Maybe they're older and you take away their car. I don't know. But that's a judgment. It really is. Okay, civil sphere. Uh, let's say I I run a red light or I'm speeding and I get a ticket. Like, there's a judgment there. There's a law on the books and I broke the law and there's proof that I did and, and now I have to pay the fine. And we can go all the way up to, obviously, murder and all these other, you know, you know, sexual abuse, things like that, that literally there's laws in the book and you go through the, the proper uh, track of, of, you know, going to court, whatever, like that's a judgment. A judgment is being made against me. Um, and there's, there's certain people who have the jurisdiction to make those judgments. And then we get to the church sphere. So the, the civil sphere has the authority given by God, think of Romans 13, to bear the sword. They have the authority, you could say capital punishment even, now that can be a, a kind of a touchy subject for people, but nonetheless, that that's the implication. He, you know, think of murder too. He who takes somebody's life, his life is required of him. That's Noahic covenant. 
carried throughout Old Testament law, even in New Testament, there's there's things that are worthy of death. And the civil sphere has the authority to bear the sword in that way, to, to deliver capital punishment for capital crime. The church now also has an authority, and when they make their judgments, their authority, you could say the ultimate, the ultimate judgment in the church is excommunication. And what is that? What does that mean? Well, the church collectively, again, we're Baptists, so this might look different in different ecclesiastical structures, different polity structures, whether you're, you know... You're a Baptist. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a member of a Baptist church. <laughs> they don't call, yeah. I ratted you out. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, depending on your ecclesiastical structure, you know, whether it's Episcopalian or, you know, whatever... Um, Presbyterian, Baptist, Congregational. Nonetheless, we all we all have this we all have this reality of excommunication. Yeah. In whatever church polity, and what it is, it's a declaration. The church makes a declaration, or the proper authorities in the church yep. say we no longer so elders elders you know whatever it is. In, in the congregational structure, it's, well, it might be looked it's the you. church with the elders. Yeah. They all have the... Okay, I see what you mean. Yep, yeah. collective authority. Depending do. on the church polity, exactly. that's, that's yep. held to. Yeah, I yep. you. It could be the bishop, yeah. could be the elders, right. could be the congregation right. altogether, whatever. Right. The point is, is there's, there's a... There's an authority, and there's... But I think what I was... Why, the reason I said that, stumbled around with that... Oh, sure. Is it has to be an authority structure within the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just a group of the parishioners that say, hey, we don't like this person, go. yeah, yeah. That's no, all. I, there's order. It's not a it. big deal. There's, an, there's order. an order. There's an authority that's yeah. been entrusted to yeah, yeah. somebody. Yeah. And and most churches actually, you know, this is actually laid out in their bylaws and their constitution yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. It's spelled out. Yep. Right. It's spelled out. Nonetheless, right. what what excommun excommunication is is it's it's a declaration. It's a statement saying, you no longer are are displaying a life that is consistent with a Christian confession that you are yeah. that you are saved that you are a Christian. You, everything that you're showing us is is basically saying you're you're a non-believer, and the church is the body of Christ made up of people who truly have the Spirit, who have repented of their sin and live a life of constant repentance. So if you no longer live a life that gives us evidence that you are living a repentant life, mm -hmm. well then we need to remove you from among us. Yeah, because the church is the New Testament community is made up of spiritually alive people. Yeah. And if you're no longer showing us that you're spiritually alive, right. and I'm not saying that somebody's lost their salvation. Obviously, you if you've listened to this, you know what I believe. But we, we can be duped. Like, how often do we bring people into church membership or baptize them and they, were, they weren't actually saved? Yeah. They had us duped. Maybe they were the seed sown on the, the, the rocky soil. Maybe they were the seed <laughs> sown on the thorns and thistles. You know what I'm laughing about? What? Because you're a Baptist and you have the bouncers at the front door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wilson, Wilson, and we the Presbyterians yeah. have the bouncers inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. White, white, and Wilson had that talk. It was hilarious. And you but know, the, Wilson. But the point is, yeah. they both have bouncers. They both have bouncers. Bouncers, bouncers. Yep. Whether they're inside or at the door. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. You so ba you Baptists have the bouncers at the door. Yeah, and we also have to have bouncers in the inside because sometimes we let people in that shouldn't be let in. <laughs> that's the point. Yeah. So that's why church discipline yeah. and excommunication is actually a necessary practice. And yeah. historically speaking, when you study ecclesiology, you know the doctrine of the church yeah. throughout history, church discipline is always a mark, like an essential mark of a church. Yeah. 
a church that doesn't practice discipline, a lot of people yeah, are you're going to do speaking. some podcasts in the near future on this, aren't you? I think I'm going to. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. get some of my other PhD students together yeah. um, and talk about some ecclesiology stuff because yeah. it's so fascinating. Yeah, But nonetheless, th- this whole idea of church discipline and excommunication, it is judgment. Yeah. You're making a judgment yeah. according to a standard. According to Scripture, it tells you to. Yep, exactly. And yeah. so those are the texts we're going to look at. These church, these church discipline texts. The first one, kind of the the premier text for church discipline. It's actually Jesus is laying this out in Matthew eighteen. He says, um, and maybe in your Bibles it has a heading, you know, added by the translators. If your brother sins against you, this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. So starting in verse fifteen of Matthew eighteen, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, let him be to you as like a non-believer. Gentile and tax tax collector have have this connotation of a non-believer, not saved. Truly, I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So again, this is the con- this is in the context of the church, the gathered assembly, the gathered Christians in one place at one time. And uh, so that is what you are being excommunicated from. The assembly of the church, the yep. gathered assembly of the church. And it's interesting. I was just looking here, Sam, because I didn't remember all the passages. But but this just carries over from the Old Testament, right? Oh, absolutely. There was always two to three witnesses, which we mentioned yep. in the last podcast. It's That was the part of the struggle with that whole yeah. John 8. Yeah. You, you need two to three witnesses. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm just saying, it's interesting. This yeah. just carries on yeah. in our New Testament, right? right. It's always been that And way. it's only that as long as maybe you go to your brother in private and you call it some sin. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I sinned. Yep. And he, he confesses. Right, and he that's goes, what you hope for. It's all about reconciliation, and he, and he right? Yep. Boom, reconciled, done. Yep. Done. You might, I mean, the church doesn't even need to know that this happens. Right. This could be happening every day in a church and you wouldn't right. know because yeah. people are actually repentant. A healthy church would do that. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And that's a sign of, again, that this person is actually saved. Yeah. Because a saved person, it doesn't mean that they stop sinning. We all sin every day in, in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, we are, we're sinners. Yeah. But the point is, is somebody truly saved is one who lives a, a life of constant repentance. Yeah. Yeah, First John 1. Yep. Walking in the light. Walking in the light. Confessing sin. Yep. One another. And you hate it, and you, it grieves you, and you're sorrowful, and you want to leave it, and you repent. And then when you sin again, you repent, and you repent, and you repent. Yep. And that's your life. And, you know, obviously sanctification teaches us that you, you do sin less and less as you grow in maturity. but Potentially. Potentially. But you can fall in a day. Uh, oh, yeah. That's the thing. And it gets real, It's an yeah. ebb and flow. Yeah. It's a up and down. But you can, but you can grow. But the slope, but you if you grow, were to, you grow an image yeah, of Christ. The you slope can. should be a positive slope. Yeah, it should be. No, it really, it really should. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah. Though. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that, I mean, that's that's Jesus is giving us the model. The this is the order of church discipline. Yeah. You know, go to your brother privately. You're making a judgment. You're actually saying, "Hey, you're in sin." Yeah, I think that's the emphasis right that's now. That's the emphasis right you now. You are. You are making. You're a making a judgment to yeah. your brother one on one. Yep. And if he if he denies it. Well, then you bring in two or three witnesses. Yeah. Because that's what you got to do. Yep. 
And then if the, if he denies it to the two or three witnesses, then you bring it to the church. Yep. And if and if the church and then the church has this kind of it's implied that they have this responsibility to urge this brother. Yep. Repent. Repent, please. Yep. Like the church collectively is saying repent. Yep. And if he doesn't, well, treat him as a tax collector, as a Gentile. Yep. Basically what you're saying yep. is we don't think you're saved. Yeah. And so you're out of us. You're out of the community. Yeah. We excommunicate or you. you're saved and you need discipline. Well, and part which, of which we'll get to with First Corinthians five, he's kind of sort of like, okay, you know, I'm going to hand you over to Satan. Well, because it, it has this idea of the the assembly where yeah. the church assembles yeah. is sacred space. Right. It's holy ground. Right. Think of the you know Israel in the in the wilderness. Yeah. When they're wandering around the illness, wilderness, wilderness for forty years. Yeah. It, wherever they camped, yeah. set up their camp. Yeah, Shekinah glory was there. God's, it was it was God's sacred ground. Was there, yeah, yeah. And and what you would do is you would you know when the the priest would would do his sacrifices, you know he would he would put his hands on one animal and you would sacrifice that on the altar and then you would put his hands on the other animal and then it was called the scapegoat. Right. And they would put Transfer the scapegoat it. out into the wilderness. Yeah. Why? Because that's where Satan lives. Yeah, outside the camp. Outside the camp. There's a picture. There's a picture of that in Hebrews, right? Yeah, that, about exactly. being outside the camp. Exactly. That's where. That's where the demons live. That's where Satan is. Yep. That's where. It's yep. outside of this of this sacred ground, this sacred community, this holy area. Yeah. Where God's presence dwells with His people. Right. Think of the Garden of Eden too. Like there's a gate around the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. and when Adam that's and good. Eve sinned, they're kicked out of it. And then yeah. there's these that's cherubim. Good. Yep. To keep them from coming back in. Keep that's them good. from coming back in because it was sacred. Space. Exactly. Yeah. So that theme. That's a cool. Is yeah. throughout the Bible. It's the same idea in the New Testament church. That's why it's significant. You know, back to some COVID crap. Oh man. Well, that's why it's so significant. When you say you can't gather, <laughs> when you can't gather physically as the church with believers it's so significant right it's i mean it's so significant you need you need to gather with the saints and god's presence is uniquely there and that's what he says wherever two or three gather there i am so it's really significant stuff so that's excommunication that this is the process of church discipline and if somebody doesn't repent then you you kick them out you you kick them out of the assembly and you treat them as though they're a, t- uh, a tax, tax collector or a Gentile, basically saying you treat them as though they're a non-believer. Now, where we see an example of this actually taking place is in 1 Corinthians 5. This is fascinating. Um, and this is where we have some really explicit language and commands to judge believers. So 1 Corinthians 5, I'm just going to read the chapter for you because it's the whole chapter is about this issue. So starting in verse 1. It is actually reports of Paul again writing to this this Corinthian church. There's they have a bunch of problems, right? You know they have tons of problems, yeah. And he's he's getting word that of some of these problems, and he's going to address them. And he says it is actually reported. So he's got word. He got word from someone that there is sexual immorality among you. And who's the you? It's the it's the Corinthian church. It's the church. And of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. <laughs> For a man has his father's wife. Apparently it's his stepmom that's going on here. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Mm-hmm. Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Excommunicated. That's what that means. Remove him. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as, and, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment. <laughs> There's our word. Yeah. On the one who did such a thing. 
When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present, with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And that's kind of the, this is this reality of church discipline and excommunication is that if he actually is a child of God, yeah, right. then kicking him out and giving him over to Satan is the means by which he's kind of awakened into repentance. That's what I was mentioning yep. earlier about the sense of discipline and the hope is actually restoration. Yeah, exactly. So even in excommunication... It's the you, means you were, by which... you, were, you were emphasizing, Sam, and it wasn't wrong, but right. you were emphasizing, hey, he may appear literally, he looks like an unbeliever. Right. Know, but in another case, that's what I was saying, may actually be a believer. If he is, it's the means by it, which he's it's, brought it's, back. It's a discipline. Exactly. Right, right, right. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So, your, verse 6 now, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? This is a key principle. This is throughout Scripture, this idea like, hey... Even one unrepentant sinner in your in the assembly actually affects everyone. Isn't that interesting? It's so fascinating. This is a corporate thing. Mm-hmm. So when you hear people say, you know, you hear your fellow Christians say, "Don't judge me. That's my own business. You know, that's me, my personal life. You don't have any business talking. Yeah. About, you know, bringing up my personal life. Uh, uh-uh. uh. Like when you're the church, it's a you are united as the body of Christ. Yeah. You're, you're united. Which, you know, we don't need to go down that road entirely right now, though, Sam. But for, seriously, if somebody's listening, this is a, a difficulty culturally, right? Yeah. Like we're so independent. We're so individualistic. Yep. Most, I don't know, most, I shouldn't say that, even though I think it probably is most. But it's a little anecdotal. What I mean is many people, let's, let's just say many people, yeah. in our culture, go to church on Sunday, right? Yeah. Hear a good message, sing some songs, and go home. Yep, that's it. And they may even be a member of a church, but they're not really like engaged in depth within that community. Right. And so it's hard to apply this. Right. And then even if you did apply it, they'd say, okay, well, I'm just going to go down the road to the other place. Yeah. So the context for this is a little bit different. I mean, we still are biblically called to do this, but it it is a little more complicated in the sense of like back, you know, when this was being written in Corinth, this is a big deal. These these are the believers in Corinth. Yeah. And you're being cast outside the believers. Yeah. In our community, our churches, you know, people just, I'm going to go down to the road to the next place. Yeah. We've, we've all seen this. And again, if you live long enough, especially in ministry, it's interesting to me. I'll go to church and say, hey, someone's always going to be, I'm like, oh, yeah, this, I think this is the fourth church I know they went to. Yeah. You know? And you just know they, you know, they kind of always have a problem with something yep. and then they leave and then yep. they go to the next place. And there's people like that. They really are. Yep. And so how do you apply all this? It's Right. Maybe, we, it's, we'll, maybe we'll talk about that. I, I would say this, though, in some degree, Sam... Uh, and this isn't perfect statement either, but like for a person to become a member of a church mm-hmm. and submit to the leadership of the church, and I'm using that word submit as an important word, it really is um, on the shoulders of a person saying, I really want this in my life. Mm-hmm. Because you can dance around this really easy in our society. Well, and here, here's right. what I would add to that. Like whether or not you have an understanding theologically of the church, uh-huh. And what that means to be a part of the body of Christ and united in Christ as one body. Yeah. You are. You still are. You still are. Yeah. That's the point. Whether you know it or not. Okay, that's good. You yeah. are. So whether whether you yeah, fully embrace it or anything, fully it embrace it or that. not, you are, you do affect. Yeah. If you have the spirit, you are saved. Yeah, that makes sense. You do affect all of this. Yeah. And even a non believer coming in. Yeah. That that's kind of a an interesting thing, you know, some churches are all about being the attractive, you know, seeker-sensitive yeah, yeah. model, 
And we want we want non-believers here. And yeah, we do want non-believers to come and see our our you know how we worship yeah. God. But there is a level of but they're still not of us. Right. I know. They're not of now us. Now you're going down that ecclesiology road. What, what what's the purpose of Sunday morning? You know exactly. So, so. the purpose of Sunday morning is the body, the well, yeah. saved people are to gather. That's, that's another discussion. But yeah, I would say that's the worship of God's people. Exactly, and that's very so clear yeah, biblically. And I, I love it the fact that others outside of the body would come. Yeah, but that's not what it's all about. That's not what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. Whether or not you understand, this, yeah. yeah, whether or not you understand that you are a part of this lump, this body. Yeah. You are, though. You are, and you you affect it. Yeah. And you you need the body. The body yeah. needs you. Yeah. You know, can a hand say to the foot, I have no need of you? No. Yeah. Like, you need each other. Yeah. Encourage each other daily so you don't fall back yeah, into the deceitfulness of sin. Interesting. I'd like to know more in church history. It was my understanding very limited on this. What And I'd have to know more about the, all the progression. Maybe you've studied it recently. In some of your studies, but like in Roman Catholicism, we think Roman Catholicism. Just think of the early church. Yeah. Eventually, we ended up with what we call Roman Catholicism. Yeah. And then, hey, can we change this and reform this? Yeah. And it became this great, yeah, you know, divide and schisms, more than one, a bunch right. of scattering. But in that process of church history, right, there was this confession deal. Yep. And somewhere in there, at least, yeah, in the say in the right place in the right moment, the idea was. We need to have public confession because you're swimming against the rest of the the school of fishes going up the stream. You're, mm. you're swimming against the tide here. Mm. You're you're actually damaging the local body of Christ because of your sin. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah, and you need to confess that. Yeah, and there was a sense in which I can't get everybody to stand up every week and confess their sin, but you come to the priest ah uh, and you confess your sin. Yeah to deal with your sin because within that, again, there's a lot of mixed muddy water in yeah, the history yeah. of the church, but it's not all cut and dried on, on, on a good motive. It was like, no, no, no. We as a people need to be confessing our sin to one another. Right. And this was a means by which it was done. Yeah. 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 It's really, I mean, I've read some about that. I thought yeah, it was yeah. interesting and I don't know all the details, yeah. but I thought, Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm reading a book right now cause I'm just about to start my ecclesiology seminar for my PhD. Yeah. And, uh, I'm getting a head start on the reading and I'm reading a book right now that's comparing the, the free church model or, yeah. or the typical Protestant model of ecclesiology yeah. with the Catholic yeah. and the Orthodox, Greek mm, Orthodox. Yeah. It's very fascinating. Yeah. Very fascinating. Yeah. But yeah. I, won't, well, I won't get into yeah, the Yeah, but there. I'm just saying there were structured reasons for that. Yeah. And you could see where there would be a reason yeah. for this sense of we need to have confession yeah. in our midst yeah. to deal with our sin in our midst because we are a body. That's yeah. all I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. So... Yeah, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Where, is, where were we at there? Um, um, verse 7 now. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Mm -hmm. Verse 9. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. This is interesting. Oh, man. Think not... Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world yes, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears, here we go, bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is not those inside the church whom you are to judge? 
Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. <laughs> I mean, this is explicit. This is explicit, explicit prescriptions and commands about how we are to conduct our affairs inside the church. You have a clear, you have a clear distinction made by Paul. You have an outsider. You have an insider. Yep. Clearly, there are those who are inside the church and outside. See, oh man, Sam, this is just. Man, so fascinating. Is, well, it's fascinating, but it, way, it it brings up a really, really uh, challenging issue. What's that? Well, I in, mean, yeah. In principle, yeah. okay, we already talked about it last podcast, but in principle, it's what the Pharisees were doing. They were saying, no, we have this body here, and you're violating the body. No, they were using a standard other than the Scripture. Yep, that's the key. Right? That's a real big, important key. Yeah. But they were calling people out. Yep. Because... If you're a Jew and you're on the inside of here, you are not supposed to be doing X, Y, Z. Yeah. And so it's interesting now. Again, I, get, I, I really do believe this gets read over. I mean, doesn't get read, right? I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother, so-called. So-called, yeah. If he is an immoral person, covetous, idolater, reviler, or drunkard, just one, they're not to even eat with such a one. Yeah. And... If you were to try to figure out how to live that out, which we, you know, we're going to talk about here, but yeah. in in fairness, you can see somebody going, "Oh, you're being a Pharisee. You're judging me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, but we're supposed to sort of do that according yeah. to this. Yeah. Now it's supposed to be done a good way, a right way, yeah, right? Yeah. I just, I'm just saying. Oh yeah. You're raising quite an issue. Quite an issue. This yeah. is, yeah, this is a. That's bit... that's more what I'm getting at. Like, how do you right. place? And, like... and because this is so, it feels so weighty. Like, how am I supposed to do this? Yes. And I don't want to come off as overly judgy right Pe people right. tend to just neglect it neglect they just put another rug i'm just kind of but kinda... it also gets messy what i was talking about earlier yeah. we live in a day where people will say okay i'm a member of that church but they're not like really in right they're not really submitted to that leadership in a sense i mean they show up once a week right i mean we, we talked about this with a really prominent figure that fell terribly right by the end of his life robbie zacharias yep but that was one of the questions that kind of came out in that kind of discussion is like, okay, so he was a quote unquote a member of a church. Yeah. But what's that mean? Did anybody know what was going on in his life? Did anybody, okay, he's a big celebrity, shows up, nobody questioned stuff, or they did and they just it got swept under the rug. Yep. Whatever happened, I'm yep. not trying to go down a road on that. But I'm just saying, like, you know, to actually do this right, you yep. would actually have to have a system. Where a person is actually a member, yep. committed to the member, yep. people know the person, yep. they know the leadership, and it's a communal, yep. you know, deal. And, and that this is part of the case for the actual practice of church membership. Yes, and signing a covenant. Yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah, knowing church, and we know knowing. some churches that are doing this now yeah. that are saying, okay, then you need to show up for X number of worship services. Yep. You need to be. We part need to of, know you're in, on the inside. Yeah, we need to know that you're part of these covenant groups or small groups or right. whatever they call it. There's, they they come up with some of these right. guidelines, and it becomes kind of awkward and difficult. It's like, huh, how do I make that work in my world? And yet, that's what they're striving for. Is they're striving for this? Yeah, they're striving for this. Which which, you which know, I can appreciate. Which implies, and keep yeah. this in mind again. This is what I I think I mentioned you this a few couple weeks ago, a week ago, where yeah. I just think a lot of people are very ignorant of ecclesiology. Yeah, they just don't understand the significance of the church, yeah. what it means, yeah, and how it's a means of grace, like like being a part of the assembled body of believers consistently and regularly, yeah, and being with other Christians actually benefits your spiritual life and your sanctification. So because there's a there's a reason like 
being kicked out of this has dire consequences for you. Not just pragmatic. It's not pragmatic. It's not just, it's not pragmatic. Sometimes you can, th- you know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's sort of setting you up to, to go right. after it because. I'm not speaking pragmatic. Right. Because some, in some ways you could say, okay, in that culture, it was pragmatic because you know, they may be without a job and food now and everything else. Sure. Because it was a difficult world. That's not what this but is. But you're saying there's something much deeper no, than any of that. Although some of that may be true this too, but spiritual. it's way beyond that. Yeah. yeah this right. is spiritual. This is sanctification. Yeah. This is holiness. This is, this is being able to live the Christian life. This is, this is all of that. You need to be with the body. You can't be alone. Now you're begging a whole bunch of questions, man. You're begging <laughs> so many questions. Well, like, what do you mean by that? What does it mean to be a part of well, the body? Uh, well, let me just say that I know people that have been in, in systems that are more, let's just call it tight. Yeah. Maybe more, let's call it more biblical. Yeah. More tight. But in some ways, there were elders there in situations there. They, they really felt burned. They really oh, yeah. felt abused. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that did happen. Yeah. And you go, what do you do with that? Right. I know. Wow. So tough. Yep. I mean, just read the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. And, man, you have some You have some churches that are literally, like, on the, like, brink of death. Like, there is, there, like, what, what, who is it to? I should probably just find it. Where he says, there's a few among you that haven't, like, soiled yourselves yet. Yeah. Literally says, I haven't crapped their pants. Yeah. And you go, oh. That's bad. There's a couple among you that are alive. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are some bad, rough churches out there, but they're still well, yeah, called they're, churches. There's still a remnant there. Yeah. Yep, I know they're still called doing. churches. What church was that? And oh. I mean, think of First Corinthians here. Like, this is, if you read First and Second Corinthians, like, there's a lot of problems going on in this church. Yeah. Lots right. of problems. Right. And so this sexual, immor- sexual immorality issue is a big part of their problem because, you know, you have this. Corinth was known for their their um, basically their s- sexualization of everything and a part of their idol worship and part of their of their religious practices there were were prostitutes cult prostitutes I mean it, sexual immorality was just so infused in the culture of Corinth mm. that obviously the, the the church is going the Corinthian church is going to struggle with this issue of sexual immorality more than another church might in a different place and they might. You know, the other church might struggle with some other type of sin more. But for for the Corinthians, this sexual immorality issue was, you know, one of the big issues, just culturally speaking, that they had to they had to wrestle with. Yeah. And um, but the point is, is even even in the messiness of a church, there's still something significant about being a part of a church. And that's kind of what I want to get at is like even you wouldn't you you might not even understand it yet but still being a part of the gathered you know assembly is spiritually significant okay and and you know maybe in these future podcasts where I talk more about ecclesiology we'll get into some of that but but nonetheless you know we're talking about judgment clearly Paul says you know I am we are to, as Christians, judge yeah, the yeah, insider. And that's, and that's the emphasis, that's the emphasis. of the, this podcast today. Yep. Yeah. We're, we, you have to. You have an obligation and mm-hmm. a duty as a covenant member of the church, mm-hmm. of the new covenant community. You have an obligation and a duty to judge the insider, to hold them to the standard of Scripture. Again, yeah. not, not any other standard, not something above Scripture, not something less than Scripture, Scripture, yeah. the inspired word. You're to hold them to that standard. And when they wow. and when they sin against it, when they break God's, you know, commandments, yep. you 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 call them to repent, 
And then we go back to Matthew 18, and there's the there's an order. Call them to repent. If they don't repent, two or three witnesses. If they don't repent with two or three witnesses, the church. If they don't listen to the church, excommunication. That's the order of things. Yeah. Because a little leaven leavens a whole lump. Wow. And you are a holy people, a royal priesthood. Like, this is a... Christ's body is holy. You must keep it holy. You must protect the holiness of it and the purity of, of the bride of Christ. So it's, it's a really significant issue. But all that to say, it implies judging. And Paul even says, we're not judging outsiders. If we were judging outsiders, we would have to leave this world. <laughs> like, because there's <laughs> sinners everywhere. And this is kind of goes back to Jesus hanging out with the sinners and the prostitutes yeah. and the tax collectors. Like, it's because he was... He's he's coming to save those people. He's coming to evan like evangelize those sure. people. Like we should be around those people in an evangelistic way. Right. You should be hanging out with non-believers. Right. Because you want to you want to share the gospel with them. Right. But when it comes to inside the church, unrepentance is a that's not a you got to kick those people out. Oh man, it's serious. So serious. So many churches. This is like if you read studies and stuff like that. You know, Barna puts them out. Like. The practice of church discipline is one of the most neglected things in mm. the evangelical world in America today. Sure. So many churches do not practice church discipline. Right. And you could say it's a it's a kind of a ubiquitous problem of me the mega churches because they have so many people that they can't right. keep tabs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's some big mega churches. Or I'm thinking of one right now. You would call it a denomination. It's a movement denomination that, that doesn't even uh, – uh, doesn't even have membership. Ah, yeah. It's huge. Yeah, it's very it's, common. It's a huge movement. And so Yep. Anyway, that's that th those are tough. Those are tough. Yeah. Here's another thing. Let's just keep going into ver chapter 6 cuz it just still has to do with the matter of judgment. Okay. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to the, the go to the law before the unright before the unrighteous instead of the saints or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, whoa. That's interesting. So yeah. Um, and if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Yeah, isn't that something? Do you not know that you are to judge angels? Yeah. Oof, how much more than matters pertaining to this life? Yeah. So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Ooh, that's another topic we should talk about one day is shame. <laughs> I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers. But brother goes to law against brother and that before unbelievers. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. What a rebuke. Oh. Yep. You know, obviously America, we are so quick to take out lawsuits. We are so quick to get into litigation things. Yeah. And we, you know, yeah, we have the we have the right, the civil right, of being American citizens to sue someone, yeah. and they had the right too there in yeah. the Roman context. But he's saying, when it comes to Christians and Christians, we're like yeah. you. You should rather be defrauded. That's what he said, mm -hmm. than to go take out a lawsuit against your brother. So there again, I'm just saying those man, what a tough what application. a tough thing, tough application. Yep. Application, but sometimes you have to go to court just to I know. solve this disagreements i know it's tough and you would like to think you go to the church and solve it i know people have tried to do that yeah 
It's so messy. Yeah, it's really messy. But it's crazy that Paul says it's already a defeat for you if you go to the unbelieving courts. Already a defeat. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. So coming back to the podcast, though, yeah. Sam, um, you know, the, the topic here, I think, you know, what's being said here and what is clear even in our other podcasts is that yeah. we are called to make judgments. Make judgments. We really are. And and especially our point is, is like in the context of the local church, believer to believer, yeah. we are to judge We are, we are to do this. Yep. And and there's a way to do it. Yep. You know, there's a, me, uh, a way to do it. And one gentleness. Of the, gentleness. And, we, and yeah. one we didn't talk about here that, that you know, you, you... Yeah, go to that it. I, well, I've thought a lot about yeah. this over the, the years Timothy? because, you know, even in a ministry, we're, you know... You know, I'm in a leadership position in the ministry, and, and you know, I've dealt with some issues in churches. That, yep. You know, I don't want to revisit some. Some, you know, were difficult. And um, but literally, you go to First Timothy five, and it always—it's just a striking passage to me. It's talking about, you know, blessing elders that yeah. in your midst. Verse seventeen, you know, consider worthy of double honor. There's something about honor and respect of leaders. Right. But then it actually goes down after that, and it's again you want to do that. That we need to like honor our leaders. We really do. Yeah, it's a tough job. But just what we're talking about. Think of this: how tough these sorts of things are. Yeah. And you have a group of leaders in your church. I'll tell you. Anybody listen to the podcast? You have a group of leaders in church, and by and far, a lot of them are probably really good men. Yep. And they're really trying to do the best they know how, and they're finite and they're limited, but they've been called to make these really tough judgments. And you don't always know all the facts on the table, and it's tough. Yep. So we need to honor that and yep. respect that, and I, you know, and work at that. Yep. And and it's hard. Yep. At the same time, though. Yep. You get to verse nineteen. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Yep. So, well, now we're talking about leaders in the church. We're supposed to exemplify the destination, as we've said in other podcasts yep. on leadership. But you have this elder, and there's a problem. Something was said. Something was done. Yeah. And it says, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. We're back to two or three witnesses. So it's interesting in light of Matthew 18. Yep. Maybe there's this place that you go talk to that individual elder, but it's also pretty clear here that it's not it, – you may be able to go to that elder individually, but the bottom line is is there are two or three witnesses. There's two or three yeah. that say we have a conflict here, which also suggests the two or three must have some interaction about it. Yeah. Because I've been in those situations saying, why are we talking about this? And who's talking to who? Yeah. And it's like, but wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. There is this place for mature men yeah. to talk with one another and say, Did, have you seen what I've seen? Yeah. Somehow you have to do that. Yeah. And again, very humble, yeah. very cautiously. Yeah. It's not, you know, <clears throat> it's not a bull in a china shop. Right. Okay. And then 20, those who continue in sin. So somehow there's yep. two or three that go to an elder yep. and say, we saw the way you treated your wife, and we really yep. are not comfortable with this, or right. whatever it is. Right. You said this, and we don't think it's right. Or you seem to be, you know, we've had this culturally in the yep. last few years. You seem to believe X, Y, Z, and I don't think that's biblical. Right. I and So two or three are to come and have this conversation. And it says, those who continue in sin, look what it says, rebuke in the presence of all. All. And then why? So that the rest also will be fearful yeah, of sinning. See, it see, see, it's it, it's like no, no, no. Everybody needs to recognize that even your elders are not above reproach. Mm-hmm. Is that the word? Not above reproach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, might not be above reproach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Might not be. I, I said it they right. have to be above reproach. Be they have to be above reproach. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. So they might not be above reproach. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. And there's a problem here, and 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 you need to bring it up publicly. Yeah. 
I mean, you talk about one that gets really like, oh, no, no, we're going to keep this pan, close doors and shuffle it on the rug or not let anybody. Oh, no, 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 no. That happens so often. This needs to be talked about publicly. Publicly. So people are in fear. Yep. Fear like, oh, we take this stuff serious. Yeah. <laughs> and again, man, guys, whew, that has to be really handled well. Yeah. And carefully and yeah. cautiously. So I'm not, it's not flippant. Right. And it's not just, you know, go again, bull in a china shop. Right. It's not that way. But it is to be done. And we and we trust that. We trust that when it's done the right way. Yeah. That God is God knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like again, we have that's we have point, to have this Sam. presupposition yeah. that God knows how the church is to operate. And that's why he prescribed this. He prescribed it for a reason. Yep. And we trust that this is yep. the best way to go. You and know, so, you'll think, Oh, this will destroy our church. Well, do you trust the Lord that this is yeah. his church? Right. And that he knows what's best for yep. it? Those who can now, now some would say, you know, um, different church polity. Sure. Maybe you get into this in ecclesiology. Um, that would say, well, this stuff is brought to a group of elders because they represent, sure, the body, and yeah. it can be held, if you yeah. will, behind closed doors yeah. with a group of elders, and it's held there, and it doesn't have to be like on the pulpit Sunday morning in front of everybody. Right. Okay. Well, there again, I'm open to the whole conversation about that. How do we do this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, we would have to be. There's again, you have to be. Oh, Care, yeah. Careful. There's These are not easy All right. issues. But the big point is it needs to be done. It needs to be done. And we've seen lots of examples where it, it can't, it's not done, it can't get done. Right. It's like, no, 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 these things have to be talked about. And there has to be republic dealing with these things so everybody knows. Yeah. And there has to be public repentance. Yeah. And that brings about restoration. Yes. I, oh, yeah. And you talk to enough pastors who are in churches that, you know, Take this stuff seriously. You'll yeah. have you'll have plenty of stories yeah. that of where it was successful. Well, you'll have, and you'll have stories of where, like, yeah, person didn't repent, and we got to we yeah. got them out. See, and I would think, yep. Sam, I don't I don't know. Like you said, you wanted to do a podcast on this. I would say, well, you it's the same old thing. You want to get you know the biblical principle on on the table. Yeah. But one of the great things in that conversation is to find somebody that you know has been a pastor of two or three churches and has to have had to work that through. Yeah. Because you got principle on the table, which is true. Yeah. Now you got to figure out, okay, how do I apply this? Oh, yeah. And that just takes wisdom in life. And, yep, exactly. And, you know, you need, you, yeah, a guy that's done it a bunch. Yeah. You know, and I've seen it from afar or, you know, been part of church where I've seen some of it. Yep. But I haven't had to be in the middle of a bunch of that. Right. And I'm like, wow. Oof. You've had to work through all that. It's tough. Yep. But it needs to be done. That's what we're saying, right? It needs to be done. And the big thing in the podcast, it seems to me, we keep coming back to is that, no, we have been called to, make to, these, judge. to judge these things. Yep. You know, the brains were to go back and look at the scriptures according to Acts. Yep. Uh, and the, yeah, the big the big central point is what's the standard? It's always the biblical, Word of God. Biblical. Word of God. Nothing more, nothing less. Right. And so Paul called out Peter publicly. Yep. Peter, for you know, for Second Peter, Second Peter, he calls out these false teachers Oof. that are in their midst. In Lord, their midst. Yeah. They grew up among us. They're with us. Yeah. And they're actually off the mark. They're in that something. And he calls them out. Read Paul's letters. How many times does he name people? Yeah, you read Renaeus through Timothy. I think I told you that. Poof. Demas, who actually traveled yeah. with Paul, he calls yeah. him out. Yeah, he calls him out. Man, that's it. And he writes it in a letter, sends that letter to a church. And, and we're then, reading and it today. Circul- and then we're reading it today. That guy. Talk about. <laughs> we're still talking about that guy today. I think, oh, man. <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm glad I didn't travel with Paul. <laughs> My name would be in a letter and it wouldn't be good. <laughs> oh, man. Poof. <laughs> but we have been called to do this is the point, right? Yeah. And there's a way to do it. And the biblical, the scriptures do give us a, a, a prescription. If a you prescription, say, a right? pattern, an order. That, 
Yep. And then you got to figure out in our culture, in our day, in our time, how do you then yep. apply it? But you have to work at it. You have to. Yep. We've been it's called serious. to do it. It's important. We've been, we've been called to call these call these shots, right? Yep. It's not fun. Yep. But you have to. So to wrap up. Yep. You you can't judge me. Well, if you're an insider, if you call yourself a brother or sister in the Lord, then yes, we have a we have an obligation and a duty to judge yep. in the right way. I like how you said that. Yeah, yep. that's a great summary. So thanks again for listening. I mean, this was a, I don't know, I really enjoyed this conversation. I yeah. think this is a really, re- really relevant conversation. Yeah, both, both of these both on judgment. Um, something that you're going to hear for the rest of your life in Christian circles. You, you'll hear people throw that out. Well, you you shouldn't, you can't judge me. Well, you know, and now hopefully you have a little bit more um, yeah. ammunition, uh, text the scripture to go to and a little more context to go, okay, wait a minute, let's think about this. What what do you mean by that? And what does the scripture say? And what is our duty as Christians? And so, yeah, hopefully that was helpful to you. I know just thinking about this again was, you know, fun for me and helpful for me too. Yeah, and, uh, yeah it is. Yeah, so in the future, you know, we got more series that we want to do. I'd like to do a series on apologetics coming up too, and I want to do an, a little bit of an ecclesiology series. Um, yeah. Dan's going to be doing a lot of traveling here coming up, and... I might pull in a couple of my fellow PhD classmates and we might talk about Baptist Baptist stuff. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah, it'll be good. And uh, But yeah, thanks again for listening to the Preach and Persuade podcast. Again, if you enjoyed these episodes, this podcast, please share it with a friend. Um, yeah, send it around. Uh, leave a rating. Visit our website, afci.us. Donate. Do whatever the heck you want to do. I don't care. <laughs> but I really do appreciate you giving us the time to listen and to hear us, you know, gab away but uh thanks again and have a great day bye